Chapter Twelve of the Boy Scouts in the Blue Ridge. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan. The Boy Scouts in the Blue Ridge by Herbert Carter. Chapter Twelve: An Honored Guest. The boys looked at the moonshiner, who returned their stares with interest. He seemed utterly indifferent as to whether they chose to receive him as a friend or a foe. From this, Thad was almost certain there must be other fierce mountaineers close by, ready to back up their chief, should he provoke a quarrel with the strange boys in uniform. That fact meant serious trouble for the scouts if it happened to come to pass. Thad knew that these lawless men of the mountains, who snap their fingers at authority of the courts, and feel safe in the security of their secret fastness, deep in the unknown regions back of the trodden trails, think very little of human life. They are usually engaged in some vendetta between rival factions or families, and blood is frequently shed. Understanding how thin the ice was upon which he and his comrades were skating, the patrol leader felt that he could not be too careful now he provoked this man of strong passions to violence. A little to his surprise, Findaddy wheeled and faced him directly. But then the mountaineer was gifted with a sharp vision, and he could readily guess which one of the scouts served in the capacity of leader. Perhaps there was that in the manner of Thad to tell him this fact or he might have been watching and listening long enough to see how the, all the others deferred to Thad's judgment. "'I got your letter, okay,' he said simply. Thad's anxious face brightened up instantly. He saw that, for the time being, the other meant to put aside his hostility. Curiosity had supplanted enmity. He wanted to learn more about what the term boy scouts used in the message left in the cliff of the stick might mean. "'And I hope you read what we wrote, Findaddy,' the boy asked eagerly. A whimsical smile flashed athwart the thin face of the mountaineer. "'As for me, I ain't much a hand to readin' any more than I am to writin'. But thar chance there be a fellow along as he had some schoolin', and me, we, managed er figure it out. Thought is how I like to run up again y'all, and learn what all the here business concernin' Boy Scouts be.' Hear tell about such, but never could find anything but a cold trail. So I came over to see you, and perhaps now you'd open up and explain. I'll be only too glad to do that if you'll take a seat at our campfire here for a little while, Findaddy, Thad remarked, making a movement with his hand to indicate where the other could find a comfortable spot to rest. The man looked closely at the speaker, then turned his head and deliberately made a motion with his hand that must have been intended for some concealed confederate, after which he stepped over and took a seat, but not the one Thad had indicated as the post of honor. "'Reckon I'll sit here, if so be it. It's all the same to you, and he said, as he dropped down and swung his rifle across his knees. You see, I likes to look at everybody when I gets to talking. It's more social-like. But Thad knew better.' The gleam in those ruddy eyes told him what the true meaning of this action must be. When a man has been hunted, in and out of season, for the better part of his long life, he naturally becomes most suspicious of every stranger. 
young and old. Many had been the shrewd games engineered by the revenue men to catch this old weasel asleep. He trusted no one all the way, even his best friends, who might be tempted to betray him because of the reward that was offered for his capture. But although Thad had guessed just why the other chose the seat he had taken, it would have been most unwise of his part to have shown any resentment, or even to let Finn Daddy know that he understood. You see, Thad began simply, we were warned to be careful before we left Asheville, because people said that the fact of our wearing uniforms might make the mountain folks think we had something to do with the army. I was explaining all about what the Boy Scout represented to Mr. Reuben Sparks only a short time ago, and he was greatly interested. If you listen, then, I'll go back and tell what we aim to do and why we have left our homes to take a long hike through the mountain region. For up where we live, we have no such big hills as these. So Thad began, and told in as simple language as he could find, just what objects were kept in mind among all troops of the Boy Scouts, whether in America, England, Australia, South Africa, Germany, France, or any other country on the face of the globe. Fortunately, Thad was a good talker. He knew how to make use of a whole lot of little things in order to arouse the interest of the one who was listening, and he certainly had a subject worthy of his best efforts in this explanation of what the Boy Scout movement stood for. And the mountain man was deeply interested, too. He proved this by the way he hung upon the words of the boy, and now and then his suspicious nature would show itself in a cautious look around, as though he wanted to make sure that no shrewd game were being engineered while the speaker kept his attention engaged. Several times he broke in on Thad to ask questions. He could not get it through his head, for instance. Why boys, any more than men, should set about doing all the work a scout's attempt without pay? In this region of the hookworm, where men never dream of working until driven to it by actual hunger, they think others must be crazy to volunteer to take upon themselves huge tasks that try both brain and muscle. Be sure the government pays you, he said three separate times, as though he felt positive there must be some secret connection between the Boy Scout movement and the authorities at Washington. Else why should they be wearing the uniform he and his fellow moonshiners had come to look on as the mark of the oppressor? For several times the army had been called into the field to hunt down the elusive lawbreakers, who simply vanished utterly from view, and remained in hiding until the raid was over. Not one cent do we get from anybody, Thad assured him positively. Why, even our uniforms have to be bought with money each one of us earned. We're not allowed to accept them as a gift from any man or any source. So, you see, we're under no obligation to anyone. Again, Findaddy asked a series of questions, which would indicate that he was at least interested in all Thad had told them, though possibly believed only a small part of the whole. When Thad repeated to him the twelve cardinal features of a Boy Scout's vow, taken when he joined a troop, Finn shook his head helplessly, as though it were beyond his power of understanding. Indeed, that was where the trouble lay. He possessed so shallow a nature that he was utterly unable to grasp the full significance of the scheme. There must be some sort of recompensation, in dollars and cents, to make it worthwhile for any person to do things called for labor. 
and that is why he continued to keep his weapon across his knees as he sat and listened, and asked an occasional question. When Daddy was not going to be lulled to sleep by any interesting yarn that sounded very fishy in his ears. Of course, the other scouts had discreetly remained silent while all this was going on. They were content to let Thad do the talking, for none of them equaled the patrol leader in explaining what the benefits were which boys might expect to obtain when they joined a scout patrol. Several of them just sat there and stared in open-mouthed wonder at the man of whom they heard more or less lately, and whose defiance of the authorities has been a matter of many years' standing. Finn Daddy might boast of no education whatever, and his knowledge of the outside world, outside the confines of the Big Smokies, was doubtlessly extremely limited. But he did possess what served him far better in the warfare in which he continually engaged with revenue agents, a natural shrewdness such as the wily fox of the forest shows, and by means of which he outwits his pursuers. Are you come way down here just to climb the mountains and see what you could do a-camping without any tent or blankets, did you? The mountaineer went on, surveying the boyish faces that formed a half-circle around him. Well, I just reckon you'll know a heap more by then the time you gets back to your homes than you did when you started out. He chuckled as he said that. Tad wondered whether there could be any hidden meaning in the back of his words. When dealing with such a slippery customer as this hunted moonshiner, it was always necessary to keep on the watch. The man who always suspected others of double dealing might be in the same class himself. Oh, we are quite sure of that, said the patrol leader with a pleasant smile. Already those among us who have never climbed a mountain slope before have had their legs muscles stiffened, and we can do better work than in the start. We expect to have a pretty good time all around, and we wrote you that message, Finn Daddy, because we believe you were ordering us out of these mountains under a mistake that we meant to do you or some of your friends harm. We want to feel that we never dreamed of that when we started in here. Then I hope says you been changing your mind since you come, remarked the moonshiner, just as though he knew what the subject of their recent conversation might have been. Before Thad could decide just what sort of an answer he ought to make, if any at all, the manner of the other, as if by magic, his face took on a fiercest expression and he looked along the row of the boyish faces which he was confronted, as though one of them had done something to arouse his hot anger. The click of the hammer of his gun could be heard as his thumb drew it back, and the scouts shrank away in dismay when they saw the flame in his small eyes. Quick, tell me, young'uns, war be the other one. There was sure eight em when we counted em from the other side of the mountain. Remember that old Finn, he ain't the man to fool with. Eight or was. Where be the other one right now? And Thad realized that the ice was indeed getting desperately thin under their feet at that particular moment. End of chapter 12 Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan